What's up, everybody? You are tuned into the Elk's Call. My name is Scout, aka the Rep from Section X. And I'm Catherine, aka Dave and Elks. And today we have a very special guest for you. The former TSN 1260, uh, a producer and a co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Matthew Avonik. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here with you guys finally. Oh, man. Fantastic. We've wanted you on the show for a hot minute now. And uh, we got an action-packed show for everybody today. Mm -hmm. um, big shout out to our live viewers today. Thank you very much for tuning in to the show. Make sure you blow up the chat. Uh, today, we're, uh, we're, we're going to give you the rundown. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Elves versus Hamilton Tiger Cats game that uh, we ended up just winning. We just won. We're going <laughs> to talk about a win. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. That's Sam. <laughs> uh, so we're going to reflect upon that in Kathy's quarter by quarter. And then we're going to open up the fan forum. So that's where we talk about hot topics surrounding the Edmonton Elks. And, uh, and then we're going to uh, also talk about that Ottawa Red Blacks game that's coming up, which is the best possible chance for us to get a home win. <laughs> so, yeah, Matthew, I've, I've heard you talk on TSN 1260 for over a year now about how uh, the Edmonton Elks have not secured the home win. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think we're going to be able to dig into that one. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that we're still talking about this, but maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the one. It's been over a year, right? Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, we're getting close to like somebody mentioned it because it was 2019. We could almost say it was half a decade. Holy, uh, oh, that sounds like, awful. That sounds even worse. <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's but now always there was a missed season. We always have to say that whole 2020 season was gone. But yeah, it's like Canada Soccer's got two wins since the Oilers have a chance at getting a win before the Elks maybe do. Like they've got to get it done this Sunday. And you got to do it for Terry Vaughn. Exactly. For Terry Vaughn, just like Dave Jameson said, our last guest, right? Mm -hmm. So after we uh, after we uh, throw down our predictions on that Ottawa Red Blacks game, we'll give you the Edmonton Sports update. And then we're going to ask Matthew Awanik some questions in The More You Didn't Know. So To avoid copyright. To avoid, to avoid the copyright, <laughs> trademark infringement um, at 30 Rock. So, Catherine, uh, let's talk about that quarter by quarter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that was a new one, right? We got to win. <laughs> that was the week 11 Edmonton Elks versus the Hamilton uh, Tiger Cats. Yeah, so Game number 10. Game number 10, yes. And uh, yeah, that's that was a completely different write-up that I had over here than the past, you know, 10 <laughs> weeks. But, so we'll start right at the beginning. I mean, this was the second start for Trey Ford um, where he shows that he for sure can run. I think we can say that at this point. Um, and then, well, as we go through this, I'll just point out little things that I saw or that we saw during the game. Um, I know we saw that really weird third on three long throw gamble right that <laughs> well what are your thoughts on that i know i i know seeing that and i'm like why why did that happen couldn't they have kicked it at that point couldn't they have done you know bring in cornelius and tried to do a short yardage oh what's oh, who's this 
Oh. <laughs> Game Day Luna has uh, entered the chat. But she is not a um, Tiger Cats fan, just to point it out, <laughs> just because she may look like one. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, Matthew, what do you think of that? Like with the third in, uh, with them going for a long throw on third down, not putting the faith in Dean Faithful. <laughs> yeah, well, but like when it comes to Dean Faithful, we now just know they don't trust him at all. They don't yeah. trust his leg one bit unless they're within like the 30 yard line. It seems like their option is not to send him out there for a field goal, honestly. Like they don't trust him to kicking beyond 40. So, in that sense, like that's where it's very college football esque, where you hit this no man zone where you're too close to punt, but you're too far for that field goal. So, what do you do? And you should never actually be at that point in professional football. You should probably have a kicker that could do it, but. You know, mismanagement by the the management and having a global position, having to be your kicker, that's put them in this spot. Um, going for it on third and three, I don't, I don't ever mind going for it on third and short. I do wonder about the deep throws though. Like you, yeah, need, in those moments you only need a couple yards. Just get those yards, get it done, and then continue your drive. That said, it was a great ball thrown by Trey Ford, and Eugene Lewis has to hold, bring that in. Yeah. it is it's a gamble well that's but he, he's paid all that money to haul those balls and then when you watch that one you sit there and go man that's why you're getting the, you're the highest paid player in the canadian football league so in the end it, it works out for them in a sense <laughs> it actually was a good throw and a good play call um but like i'm with you guys right off the ball bat when i saw trey ford going back and the throwing deep i'm going what are you guys doing just get the four yards get the first down and let's let's drive oh. going well, and even then, right? Like like Taylor Cornelius. I think we've already seen that Taylor Cornelius can literally just just bend over <laughs> the uh the, the line, right? I mean he can just bend over and get that first down, especially if you have one yard, even if it's a long yard. Um you're also paying Taylor Cornelius yeah. X amount of money to be a third uh third string quarterback. So go earn your wage. And I mean, Dean Faithful being in that global position, like you said, uh, mismanagement, that was a really, really good term. Uh, having a global position taken up at that position and being hamstrung, you're hamstrung, you're bottlenecked at that point. So, yeah, yeah very interesting. Very, very good point, Matthew. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you bet. No, it's just one of them where, like, he, Chris Jones didn't think about the global position at all. And so then he had to find a global and ends up being his kicker. And, you know, we don't talk a lot about kicking unless things are going bad. And then you realize very quickly that, no, that's a very important position. Those three <laughs> points really do matter. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And well, we do see a sack in there with Niles Morgan forcing yep. a third down for the Tiger Cats. My player to watch, by the way, on the last episode, <laughs> was, I will say that was my, was. Niles Morgan was my player to watch. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead. And, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that forced a third down for them. And then, of course, they had uh, Legio. Coming in. So I just want to get that out of the way because yeah. I know it was a constant point throughout the entire game with Legio just completely missing those field goals. Like what's what's your take on that? Was it just the wind? Was it the wind? Was it <laughs> I don't know. All I know is I have him in my CFL fantasy league and no, he almost cost me the week. He almost I barely won, but he almost cost me the weekend. And you know, I wanted the Elks to win the game. That's what matters most. But part of me also is going, come on, dude, at least make one of those field goals. 
Oh, and I mean, the, the jokes, right? The jokes on social media, no leg leg, you know. Yeah, I, know. Um, yeah, I think if, if I, I think he made about one the whole game. Yes, he yeah, did. Yeah, he did. And OK, so we finished up that quarter uh, with number seven, former Tiger Cat Stephen Dunbar catching that bullet over there for a touchdown. So that was um, I still think that maybe he had a point to prove Dunbar came to play that game and he definitely had some great plays. So yeah, really, really hasn't had that game for the Elks this year that you were expecting. And he finally brought it in that game. And, and whether that took it, the high tie cats to motivate him, the going up against them. Um, we finally got that game from Dunbar that, that you wanted once you saw the Elks sign him in February. Exactly. And what I think is also interesting about that as well is, uh, Gino Lewis, right? So Gino Lewis comes back. Dunbar now has competition um, at that spot. And it's not really competition. Everybody's in, in it for the same goal, right? But as far as targets go, Gino Lewis should be the number one target. Um, if not, at least one of two. And Dunbar is probably number two, let's be real. But Dunbar balled out in that game. You could tell that uh, he was playing with a chip. Uh, Trey Ford, right? Trey Ford, mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about him in a moment. But He'd even said he had played a lot of games in that stadium in high school. Right. So a couple of guys had those fuzzy, warm feelings in that building. Couple that with Hamilton Tiger Cats not exactly being stellar air right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good first quarter. Yeah, a good first quarter. Yeah. I mean, we finished in the lead, so we took that and went for it, right? So coming into the second quarter, we had uh, Dean Butler getting that touchdown on the Tiger Cats end, and it Came really close to bringing it to a tie, but once again, what do you call it? No leg, no leg, legio. Yeah. <laughs> Missed that one, which is good for us, of course. Um, and then that's where we came across that second and short yardage situation with Cornelius. And he oh. went ahead and surprised everybody when he threw that trick, he uh, completed the trick play and he threw that long ball to ACU Leonard. AC Leonard who, you know, goes beyond his defensive lineman duties and goes and receives one-handed. And, and isn't it crazy that one of Taylor Cornelius's best plays of the year is a trick play uh, to A.C. Leonard, right? And, and, and Taylor Cornelius in that position. Um, sure, pressure... Pressure can be a great thing. Pressure can be something that you can overcome. But when you're overpressured, you can't function. And Taylor Cornelius, in the position that he was a starter, he was overpressured. Uh, Edmonton Sports Media, let's be real. Everybody isn't easy on any starting quarterback unless they're doing amazing. And I think that's, that's most markets, but especially in Edmonton where you are a flagship franchise or at least one of the greatest franchises in the CFL. Yeah, people care. You're in the you're in the West as well, right? The West is a very big contributing factor. So um, for Taylor Taylor Cornelius to bust out a trick play and to have one of his best plays of the year and to, to utilize him as such is amazing to see. What do you What did you think about that, Matthew? I think the last part to utilize him as such is the big thing that I took from was that like one of the things that was a problem with Steve McAdoo for so long was just. There was no creativity. And like, how often did we ever see trick plays? How often did we ever see them do something that caught you by surprise and you went, oh my God, where, where, where's that? Like, I expect that 
teams doing that to the Elks based off these last years, not the other way around. And when you see him throwing that ball, you're going like, is this the right team we're looking? Or is my like TV color off or something? Because that's not the Elks under Steve McAdoo. And Jarius Jackson, his second game as the OC, you sit there and go, okay, like you're trying something, especially like on a second down. You have another down if you need to go for it later. Yes. Pull something out. Try something there if you want. And they did it for once. And, you know, you've already talked about how, you know, Cornelius with a great throw there and, you know, puts it just like it. Maybe, you know, if it's a little further, AC Leonard can't pull that in. But it's also in a spot that only AC Leonard could go catch it and not the defender to make a play on it. And that's where, to me, it was a really good throw and great catch by the former receiver, AC Leonard. But it was like, I want more of that from the Elks because being unpredictable is the best way to go. And like, it was one thing that bothered me last year even was that, okay, Taylor Cornelius is the starter. Why not try to mix Trey Ford in a little bit in the right. plays? Or, or like do different things because you got a couple quarterbacks now. So now this year maybe it's a little reversed. You got Trey Ford out there, but why not try to maybe mix in Taylor Cornelius with something that could really keep the defense on their, you know, on their heels, I guess, if you will. And and that's what I really love seeing that play. And I'm glad it worked out for them because maybe that gives them the confidence, like let's try more things like this. Oh, definitely. And right after that, you see Cornelius just reaching across and getting that touchdown. And you see yeah. it in his face. Like, I remember looking at Scout and he was like, oh, he looks like he's having fun. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, when was the last time that you saw a smile on Cornelius's face? Because he he's getting that confidence in that position that he's in at that point and making those plays. And just oh. you can see the confidence in the team just coming back. Yeah, no. and it's it's got to be a lot easier to smile when you're not having to pick yourself up off the turf every time because of a battle line. <laughs> Instead, you're getting in the touchdown. So he's just probably happy he didn't take any punishment. No, <laughs> so that's, that's a very, very, very uh, valid point. And, I mean, obviously he doesn't have every single spotlight shining on him. So yeah. uh, him being in that position, right, and utilization, that's exactly yeah. it. We're paying this guy starting quarterback wage let's say with all the issues that we've had at the beginning of the season on third and one, how many times could we have used Taylor Cornelius in that position to get the first down or to get the touchdown? I call him tall boy because he is a tall boy and he can just <laughs> you know, fall over and get it. I hate to go here with this though, but like, Imagine if he was in and they actually scored that touchdown in game one against the Riders. Yeah. And, yeah. and what would have happened to this season? Right. Like, what would it like? Because I feel like mentally they just deflated, it seems like, at that moment. And it's just, it's carried on to what we've seen this whole season. But what would have been had he been in there and he got that touchdown? Well, it's interesting that you say that because I've heard that a couple times this week about what if he would have been able to make that happen or what if the team would have just got it done in those third and one scenarios or third mm -hmm. and third and goal scenarios what if they would have just did it like we would not be seeing the streak that we're seeing right now the home losing streak might not exist right now uh we would not have gotten to this point right so yeah i mean extremely valid point matthew and that just goes back to just how the game is the details matter so much the yeah. top teams, they have those details down and they get those points. And the Elks are struggling with those details. And that's why they have one win on the season and haven't won at home since 2019. No, I I, I will definitely, I, uh, I, I will agree. Yeah, I, I, think we agree. I can't, can't say anything against <laughs> that. 
Well, right on the second, we saw another big forward completion to Dunbar, who, of course, turned it into another touchdown. Saracna uh, and Gainey had a couple of sacks, which yeah. resulted, of course, in us getting the ball back, which leads us to the third quarter and that dreaded hour-long weather delay. <laughs> and I think everybody was kind of wondering, like, is this the curse? Is this the curse of the third quarter, Alex? <laughs> like, we're just, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, there's just something against us. Um, and we start off by seeing a little bit of the usual stuff that we see with uh, Ford getting sacked, with sacked, um, and McAllister doing a return for a touchdown. Yeah. But thankfully for us, there was that penalty like that um, with an illegal block that made sure that that penalty didn't count. So the, touch, the touchdown didn't count, yeah. yeah. We get another Cerezna sack. Cerezna. Cerezna. Cerezna sack. Uh, but not much else happens during this quarter. And I would say that's a blessing, really, compared to some of the third quarters that we have seen in the past. Totally. Well, and I mean, we, we go in with a 12-point lead, right? Mm -hmm. So the 12-point lead, we've seen this scenario with the Elks before. Um, oh, sorry. Well, we go into the fourth with the 12-point lead. Yeah. So sorry. Um, going into the fourth with the 12-point lead, you still have that that doubt, but we yeah. somehow survived the third quarter, right? Surviving surviving the third quarter. How often have we talked about extremely bad, extremely bad? And, and we're not just talking like anything close to this last game. The third quarter in this last game was extremely mild <laughs> in 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 negatives as opposed to every single other game we've watched yeah. this season. What, what, like, what did you think about that third quarter, Matthew? Well, I think, you know, one of the things I think comes out of that, which maybe this ended up looking back on a hindsight 2020 that, you know, helps the Elks is I wonder how much of a factor the delay had on both teams. That they yeah. didn't get to come out. They weren't sharp, you know, because they had a rest for so long. They had to then get amped up for that moment. So, uh, you know, in that situation, I guess you want to be the team. And if, if we're looking back in the lead, because if the team trailing is struggling to get things going because of such a delay, well, you at least got those points. Um, but yeah, like the third quarter has just been a killer. How many games can we point to where it's just like close at half and all of a sudden, okay, we're not watching the fourth quarter or caring because they're done. You know, Toronto at home, it happens. I know Hamilton, I think at home, it happened a few more times where that third quarter just kills this team. And it's just, you then know that like the fourth quarter is not going to be that significant because the Elks are completely out of it. So for them to come back, you know, and yeah, like offensively, I'm sure they were nervous that they weren't putting up points, but defensively knowing that they were still stopping the Ticats and weren't allowing to make the comeback, that probably gave them a little bit of confidence going on the fourth, going, okay, maybe we could do this one tonight. Maybe we can go out there and finish this off. We just need a couple plays here and there, and then we won't do what we've done in the weeks past or the week prior where we, they, you know, blew the 22-point lead. Um, but yeah, I wonder if that delay did help the team just because it hurt the Ticats. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, and I, I think I think what's funny is one of uh, one of our followers on Twitter, they had said, you know, because there's a rain delay, maybe where we're supposed to play the third quarter, maybe that's just, you know, going to pass <laughs> on and you don't have to play that usual time slot. Maybe we're going to play like we play in the fourth and yeah. then maybe we're just going to play good for the rest of the game. So um, well, they need to get to overtime every time because apparently they play well in that last little bit. Right. Yeah, that's what they got to do. No, that's exactly it. But going into the fourth, I mean, we do definitely see a lot more creative plays by Ford. Um, 
Niles Morgan and AC Lennersack. So that was a really good one. And of course, Kevin Brown had a couple of really good runs, which brought us close enough for a field goal, which brings us to the final score of 24-10. Yeah. Um, and I mean, at this point, one of the things that I definitely wanted to point out is that, you know, sure, we got the win, but was it a good win, right? There were, on the Hamilton side, there were three missed field goals. There was a missed convert. There was a penalty that negated the touchdown. You know, and a little sad field goal about the half. You know, really, if all of those things hadn't happened, the Tiger Cats would have had a lot more points. Yeah. Right. So, in my opinion, we won, but I still would have see, liked to see more improvement. Yeah, luck, right? Luck. <laughs> I, I, I think we do need to acknowledge that the Edmonton Elves did get lucky on that last game. Um, they, they, they did indeed. Uh, a bunch of missed kicks from Legio. He was the one getting, you know, made fun of for the night instead of the Edmonton Elks, which, hey, we'll take it. But at the same time, had he ma- had he made those, they still wouldn't have the win, but they would have given themselves a better chance. And when your team has a better chance to get the win, they play with that little bit more. They play with a little bit extra. So I, I do think that we got a little bit lucky. Same time, the Edmonton Elks really need some wind mm-hmm. in their sails. Um, Matthew, was it luck or did they play? I guess they played good enough to win, but a pretty good game. Yeah, they like they didn't, they weren't poor really in, in any spot. You know, ultimately a defense that's bending and not breaking and you know giving up field goal tries. You take that all day, every day. Um, you know, yeah, like I, and we all thought about the Mark Leggio. If he makes those kick, what happens? But also, I, I'll turn this and go to the positive, maybe for a little bit, Elks, and go, what if Eugene Lewis catches that third down throw from Trey Ford? What if Dylan Mitchell catches the third down throw from Trey Ford? The Elks are both times by, within five, if not within the 10 yard line, and they get two more tries at field goals, which would be potentially six more points or two more scores. So, when a game that comes to the fine details, if Legio makes those kicks, yes, but also if the Elks just haul in one or two of those catches, they're in the position where they've blown out Hamilton even more. So I think the like Ticats aren't a good football team. We know that. We know the Elks aren't exactly a great football team either. But in that game last week, they played a good game. And I think for a team that was looking for their first win, I'll give them the win. I'll give them the good job, boys. You did it, as opposed to... I did it, but maybe there's a few things, you know. I'll, 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 this week, I'll be a little more critical if they win a one like that. But last week, I'll go, no, you got your win. Let's be You happy. deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think now. that's the first time in many years that I've heard Matthew Awane give him the good win. That was that, <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, but, yes, we have the next game on August 27th against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And, of course, we will see Terry Vaughn become the 42nd player inducted to the EE Wall of Honor. Wall of Honor. Uh, And the Elks will also celebrate the 20th anniversary of the 2003 Grey Cup Championship team. So we do have some transactions. We have a global offensive lineman, Toby Letman, that has been uh, signed. So that's an interesting one, I think. In my filling opinion. in the global spot, if uh, you know <laughs> you Dean know, Faithful is injured, that is that is my uh, that is an interesting one, in my opinion. And injuries, of course, we did see that Dean Faithful was out of practice today, so we don't know we exactly. Don't have another kicker. I know. 
uh, in James Julian, we trust. He's only a punter, though, so. I know, I know. He's going to have to fill it. You know what? I would say at this point, based on his range, like, realistically, I mean, the Cobbin Corners have been decent. Jake Julian, he's pretty good at punting. He gets us the rouge when we don't want it sometimes. He's not (laughs) bad. Um, But let's be real. That guy's got some range on him. If you got to put him out at the 50, I would trust Jake Julian over Dean Faithful. Most times, most times, I would say. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing Jake Julian get out there for the kick. Uh, same time, also don't want to see that. So we are hoping that Dean Faithful makes it back. Definitely. There are no other injuries uh, some on file as of now. So we'll see what happens in the next uh, few days. Yeah. Uh, so what what are your predictions for the next game? I see this is where it's tough with this team because... You know, I remember last year, so many games where where they would win on the road and you'd be like, ah, this team's figured it out. They're coming back home and they just got to keep playing this way and they're going to get the win. And then the team doesn't come out at all like the team that it was the week prior and they find a way to lose. And the one I really remember, they did back-to-back against Ottawa in August last year. They go to Ottawa, they get this win. Taylor Cornelius is moving with his legs. You're thinking, ah, here we go. They've got this. Then you come back and the Red Blacks put up a bunch of points in the first half and then get that victory. And so I, I want to see him be like, after last week, okay, I could go with these thoughts as to like, this is how the team's going to play. But I'm also very scared because the history has shown that they don't want to do that. And I'll just look like a fool with my predictions. I Like, look, defensively, for the most part, this team has been really good this year. Um, you know, the, the, the you know, when you get up 22 points, I, I'm going to look at the defense in that one and go like, come on, you got to try it. I know it's Winnipeg, but you got to try to find a way to close that one out. Stop taking the penalties um offensively I, I think what we've seen from the last two weeks is trey ford's getting a lot more comfortable trey ford is feeling you know the, like the game is like it seems like it's slowed down for him enough that he's finding able to make his plays he's got a nice throw to his balls that he throws uh he uses his legs quite a bit so like i think and then with jarius jackson as well i think he's even like with the as we talked about with that um the gamble with well not the gamble but the trick play with taylor cornelius maybe he's getting a little comfortable too now calling the plays and and you know what he's bringing to the table each week at practice with the guys um but in the end like dustin crumb could run the football so could trey ford like i, I think this is a game we're going to be really watching those linebackers especially and going how much are they spying those quarterbacks because this is, might come down to which legs of these quarterbacks is going to be a little bit better, uh, but we might be in for a show athletically from both quarterbacks. No, oh, that's that's an extremely good point. Um, the crumbback, right? I was thinking <laughs> about that factor today. He he can definitely use his legs. He will do the same thing that the Edmonton Elks are trying to do to Ottawa, as Ottawa is going to do the yeah. to the Edmonton mm-hmm. Elks, right? It, it's going to be very interesting. I think it will be a little bit of a quarterback shootout. The expectation is for a win. Let's be real. 100%. Ed- Edmonton Elks fans, media, everybody's not only thirsty for it, but this is this is what we said when we lost that game against Hamilton here at home. We looked at the calendars and we said, realistically, it's Ottawa. Ottawa's the next game, and that's August. And that was a month or two ago. <laughs> Life has yep. been depressing as an Edmonton Elks fan in Edmonton when you have to pinpoint when you're going to get your next home win. And luckily, the Edmonton Elks have have 
created progress. Mm -hmm. The bye week changes seem to be doing amazing. Jarius Jackson, creative play calling, like you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, Matt. Very much so. He is indeed pulling off creative plays and, and his schemes are different. And we're seeing trick plays again. We tweeted the instant we saw a trick play because we had been waiting. I was telling Catherine, I was like, yeah, like, you know, 2016, 2017, like we saw these sweet trick plays and Mike Riley, I was at the BC game where he threw it to Almondo Sewell and Almondo Sewell was like running it in. And I think he either got a touchdown or a first down. Either way, it was a huge play. And Catherine's like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I have never seen one though. <laughs> so, so it's nice to see the return of that. But um, in my opinion, expectations win. If we don't win, I feel bad for all of us. Yes. <laughs> for, my, uh, for myself, I'm going to say a win. Just because I want to see a win at home for the first time ever. So, you know, that's, that's my expectation. So I just want it. I want it to happen. It has to happen. <laughs> and honestly, like when you look at with the way they've played the last couple of weeks, taking away, lose, you know, giving up the comeback 22. Well, they still played pretty well in that first half against Winnipeg. Uh, if they could play that way, you look at the schedule of the next few, which is Ottawa, Calgary, Calgary, Saskatchewan. They're winnable. Like yeah. you all of a sudden could pick up a few wins and then we could see where this team is going into the last few weeks of the season, but they're winnable games. But to do that, to start talking about the Labor Day sets and going, okay, can you either split or take both against Calgary who aren't very good? You got to get that win against Ottawa. Cause if you don't beat Ottawa at home, then it's like, well, who are you going to beat at home? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah, we could look at Calgary and Labor Day rematch, but at, at some point it's like, why would we ever predict the Elks win at home again? If they can't do it again this weekend, because like, like, look, they have no connection to 2003. They don't know. These players have no idea who Terry Vaughn is or anything. I hope someone tries to talk to them and go like, this is the history of Terry Vaughn and the 03 team and give them like, I know this is what you're playing for. Like you're going out there and these are the guys that came from before you. And there's a lot of people that are going to be in the stands because of these guys that have been suffering for a long time because this franchise hasn't won for a long time. You got to really step it up for those games to give the fans a little extra something for the 03 team, for Terry Vaughn. And what a sweet way to finally be able to say, ah, you got that home win. Mm -hmm. Oh, 110%, especially when Ricky Ray, he was just in the house. There was a bit of a celebration for him. And once again, uh, the 03 team and a lot of the celebrations already this year for really a historical Edmonton Eskimos team and a great way to tie together the past and the present to tie together the two brands. You get a win on those nights, celebrating those, uh, the, like the, the, the past players, you're celebrating the legends, you're celebrating the old achievements, get the freaking win, <laughs> get the win on those nights. Yeah. I, I like what you said here. there. Well, that's yeah. it, it, like, I never even thought of it that way, but it's also a great way to just transition over. There's a lot of people that still want to quote unquote and be like, oh, they'll never win as the Elks and all that stuff. But to finally get that first win, it's, it's almost like the passing of the torch. You know, we mm -hmm. honor one of the last great teams of this franchise. You know, that era of 03 to 05 was unbelievable. They get their night, but then also now this is the new era of this franchise, which is Elks football which is finally, okay, that home win and see where Trey Ford and this team could go over the next 10 years, let's say. Totally. totally. I love that. No, we, 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 we do got to bridge it together. Yeah. Um, that's something that they've been trying to do. And uh, 
goes back to the name change, goes back to every other argument around this team right now. Winning changes everything. It does. You need to win. And well, if you look at the history of this team, like I know people could go to like the recent history and go name change, all these other things of why they're not, you know, the fans aren't fully going, but really this team made playoffs for 34 straight years ending in 06. You go since 06 to now, which is 17 seasons or something like that. They have, I think, three or four playoff appearances in the West. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's not enough. I think they've only had, like, three home games in the playoffs in 17 years. Mm -hmm. And when you're used to being in the playoffs for 34 straight years and every year having at least one home game, and now we've gone 17 years with only three of them, that's the issue. This team's got to start winning. Winning does fix things, but it's not a one-year win. You got to win for like three or four straight years. And and that, that's part of the shame that that 14-15 era like was only two years that that couldn't continue a little longer because I think you would have seen people come back a little bit more. But you, like it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters in sports. It starts with winning. People want to watch a winning team and then it everything else comes from there. No, 110%. We, we're all there for the wins. I bought season tickets because of the wins. I bought season tickets because of the 2015 Grey Cup. And I mean, I also just love being at the games, but... Uh, the 2015 Grey Cup was the decider for me. But speaking of people, John Kirby in the chat did ask, uh, before we go into the fan forum, uh, he did ask, do you think we'll have a big crowd on Sunday or will it be what we're used to this season so far? Which I will go ahead and speak on this real quick. The crowds are still decent considering the product. It is... <laughs> It, it it could be a lot worse. Uh, we are seeing, you know, the 20,000, 20 to 21,000, somewhere around there in the average. But, uh, Matthew, do you think we're going to see a big crowd? So have they had only one other home Sunday game? Like, the game against Toronto was a Sunday. I don't think I, they've had another home Sunday since. No, preseason? What was preseason? That was a Saturday. Okay, yeah, so then, yeah. Um, I think because, like... It's tough to judge. Like, there's two things I would say. One is, I, I know under Victor Kui, there were a lot of tickets that were sent out in the market that that weren't that they they papered the city with some tickets. And I believe since he's been, you know, that they parted ways, um, that's kind of been rolled back a bit. So I don't know how many tickets are being thrown out there for this game. Um, so that might affect it a little bit. Um, but the Sunday is the the one that I find interesting because it's. Do people come out to Sundays or not? That Toronto game, there was quite a bit of people that did come out to that game. It was the second game of the season, and there, there was a fair amount. I remember going to FC Edmonton games last year, and I went to quite a few. And the second half of the season, they played a lot of Sunday games at like 2 or 4 in the afternoon, and those were their best crowds that they have. It, it seems like on Sunday night, sometimes it's the easiest to get your, you know, your weekend's over. You know, you're getting ready for the week. It's a chance to, you know, still take your kids out to something because it's not too late. So that's where... I think we could see a decent crowd because the weather is supposed to be nice and people do like to sometimes do things on a Sunday night. Um, but this is like, this is an experiment the CFL has been doing this year with these Sunday games. And I think they're working really well on TV. I think they're getting some really good numbers. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they do attendance wise though, because you know, if they do well, then I think, okay, people would love to 
go on Sundays and you keep doing that. Um, but I also understand that if they don't do well, then some people might want well, Sunday at five. I'd rather just watch it on TV at home. So I didn't really answer John's question there. Was it John, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. John, sorry. But in, in prediction, but like, it's just, I don't think we have a good enough sample size to judge a Sunday at five o'clock, whether that's going to be good or not. And I don't think the O three 3 team is going to bring out enough people to make a sizable change of like, yeah, no, we're going to have 25,000 people there because so many people want to come out for Terry Vaughn and O three. 3 Right. And, and John said it's okay. So uh, he's all good. But um, yeah, more importantly, right, with Terry Vaughn and the 03 team, um, I do think there will be some hype behind it. I think more importantly, like you said, it's people wanting to do things on a Sunday. You're finishing up your week and you're starting a new one. Sometimes you want to be a hermit on a Sunday evening. Sometimes yeah. you don't. More importantly, football is a Sunday thing. Yes. And Right. <laughs> universally right like I, you're a baltimore ravens fan right yeah so uh you're gonna be you're gonna be watching preseason i'm sure you watched them lose that streak there uh the other night no, i don't watch preseason i don't watch preseason sports especially <laughs> football especially football it is the worst football there could be played i will not subject myself to those nope not watching it i saw the highlight of them losing but that's as much as i saw i don't need to watch preseason i'm good for so nfl good. call me the week after labor day i'm good to go I, I was thinking of you when I was watching it, and uh, it just—it was one of those things I was on in the background and on the TV, and I was like, "Yeah, like I'll flick it on." Uh, you know, the one player he had a quote, and he was like, "Yeah, like I—it's preseason. I don't care about preseason. Nobody who, who it gives doesn't a, count. Who gives preseason a preseason doesn't yeah, count? Yeah. So There's I, I, a twenty-four game win streak in the preseason. I, <laughs> I, if it were the Edmonton Elks, I wouldn't because usually the the big superstition is if you're perfect in preseason, your team is going to suck in the regular season. And I think that's the, for whatever reason, there's a weird superstition behind that. So I stick to that and I do not, even Green Bay Packers, I have not really been even paying attention to Jordan Love. So, um, yeah. Oh, you're just sad that. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Coming, so. <laughs> so the fan forum, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and jump the in. subject. We're going to jump into the fan forum. So guys, uh, blow up the chat on this one. This is a segment where we are going to talk about some hot topics surrounding the Edmonton Elks and our live listeners will get to chime in on each topic we discuss. So if you have uh, comments on anything that we're talking about here, Please throw it in the live chat, and we're going to get to it after each question. So question number one, our first topic is on the change at President CEO. Rick Lalasher was brought in to replace Victor Kui. Do you think this was the right move? Now, before we answer this, uh, Lalasher was uh, the President CEO from 2002 to 2011. So he has been in this spot before to great Cubs during that time. Um, and he's come out of his second retirement. Uh, so he's almost as bad as Tom Brady when it comes to <laughs> retirements. Coming uh, back. Yeah, I mean, uh, self-described uh, self CFL lifer, but he cannot fix everything that needs fixing in what? How many months do we got until 2024? We got like four months, right? So Matthew Awanek, what do you think? Was this the right move? Yeah, it is. Rick Lawless is the guy to bring in um, 100% because, like, 
there's a lot that he brings to the table. One is, you know, in the CFL circles, in the big picture, he's known and respected. So from a league perspective, a head office perspective, they know that someone is in charge, that they know what he's going to bring to the table. Far too, like the last few president's hires, Len Rhodes, Chris Preston, Victor Kui, no connections to the Canadian Football League. Not, like nothing in, in terms of that. So, you know, you bring in a guy that is known in that sense. And two, then he also knows this franchise because you've just pointed out his resume with this team. He had been here for a long time. And so he knows what this franchise was at its peak. Um, he'll be able to come in and, and try to fix what needs to be done when it comes to getting back on the right track for this franchise, which is, you know, being the gold standard both on and off the football field. Um, and also like with his recent time in BC, one, he knows the Canadian football as recently. Like, it's not like he's been out of the league since 2011. But two, it, BC was in the same spot the Elks are in right now, where there's a lot of question marks, a lot of conversations about the future of the franchise. Now, BC was outright looking for a new owner, so he helped try to find that new owner. Here, you know, I know TSN's Dave Naylor said he's going to be in to look at all options for the future of this team, which might include private ownership. But he's a guy that has recently done that. So... From that whole perspective, the respect he has, the resume he has, the knowledge of the league, the team, the franchise, the city he has, it's the right interim hire. It's the right person to just put in charge of the ship until you find someone else. And the other part to Rick that I know is Rick's a very strong guy. He doesn't take crap from no one. And one of the, that was one of the reasons why Ed and BC worked or could have worked is that he, Ed Hervey needs a nice strong boss ahead of him. So does, I believe, Chris Jones. Chris Jones needs someone that could put him in his place. Chris Jones needs someone that every so often, if he comes up with an idea or tries to do something, tries to be Chris Jones, someone will get in his ear and not be afraid and go, no, you can't yeah. do that. And Rick Lawlisher is one of those guys who won't be afraid to look at Chris Jones and tell him to basically screw off or whatever it might be. So for all of that that Rick brings to the table, to me, like, absolute right hire for that interim position for the Edmonton Elks. There, there, there's almost no one else you can go with. Alan Watts, a guy that's in the organization right now, he's been around for a long time. He served between, I think, Preston and Victor Kui. So he could have handled that, I think, as well. He could have ran the ship. Um, but Rick Lollisher has done it so well that you know I, I don't think they made a right, wrong choice here. I think this is the right thing to do till they get to the next guy. Well, and it's, it's really oh, no. interesting that you bring up uh alan watts right because like with, with the whole lawlisher scenario sure alan watts could have ran the ship and a lot of people were turning to and looking at alan watts to go ahead and uh alan watts to go ahead and uh write the ship but i don't think he wants to i don't think that he's in that position in his life where he necessarily wants to take on that responsibility <laughs> well really you you're talking about somebody that is coming out of retirement for the second time <laughs> well no and, and like that's lawlisher lawlisher went ahead and did that right and Al, alan's already on the board alan's already there in the thick of it we saw we saw alan in passing at the canada cup kickoff party he's still very very involved in the community he's still playing face doing a lot of things I think that for him, it would have been just a little bit too much responsibility when he's already doing a bunch in the back in the background. You know what? And we probably, yeah, you know, we've seen how that goes with Chris Jones when you have too many hats, right? And sure, I mean, it, what I was pointing out is that if somebody thinks that they've 
cut too much or they don't want to do it at least you know we have somebody that is coming out of retirement for the second time yeah <laughs> that should show something but i'm personally excited to see what kind of changes experience brings to the table right because just like you said he's been uh with the organization he's been in that role in the past and he is uh, knowledgeable of the current cfl procedures proceedings and how the organization is run so totally i definitely agree it is the right move so then um question number two you yeah. guys here yeah so the elks quarterback trey ford he's done great in the past two games as we talked about and it's just been adding fuel to this whole trey ford speculation fire Right. So do you think that Stephen McAdoo was holding back Trey Ford? Ooh, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, so we got to get inside the, the minds of, of the coaches room. And I, I, I'll say a, a partial yes, but it's because I think Chris Jones was also part of this decision. I think there's the two of them together. I don't think McAdoo said, I don't want, I don't want Trey Ford. I want to go with these other guys. And Chris Jones just trusted him with that decision. I think they came to that decision together. And I, I you know, we've heard a lot that Trey Ford didn't have a good practice uh, or a training camp this year. Um, I believe he went and worked out somewhere in the NFL this past off season. So I wonder if that annoyed the team a little bit. Um, but in the end, it's just one of those, I, I don't I, I won't absolve McAdoo and say he 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 was holding him back like he wasn't holding him back because I think he was part of that. I think his play calling it wasn't good for any of the quarterbacks either, but I think it's also a Chris Jones thing. I don't think Chris Jones, the guy who's the GM, the head coach, and the defensive coordinator, isn't involved or making a big his voice being the biggest when it comes to who's the starting quarterback of this team. And I'm I'm a big Chris Jones fan. I love Chris Jones. He's not doing well right now. But when he was, I was a big proponent of him coming here, uh, both before Jamie Elizondo and here. So I like, I am a big Chris Jones guy, but I, I don't put this mostly on McAdoo. I'll say he's part of it, but this is Chris Jones. Yeah. You know what? And what I was just thinking about is that maybe it was also on Trey Ford a little bit because perhaps he wasn't agreeing with some of the play calling that was happening during practices and he wasn't putting his 100% because that was the whole thing that Chris Jones said, right? He's not. He needs a little bit more training. He's not performing as well. He's not going to go to QB1 because of those reasons. So if Trey was not 100% in with Stephen McAdoo's play calling and he was also going against that in some way, perhaps that also had a lot to do with. Well, well just to jump in on that part, like what happened after the game against Winnipeg, he, he made the comments where he said, you know, he wasn't happy with um, how like that they, they that they became a little too conservative in the second half. Like he, he openly called out, you know, the a little bit of the play calling. So, so there might be something to that as well. That like, if, if in his first start, he's doing that, what has happened over the last couple of months at practice that might lead to like, maybe that is part of what, what occurred and why Trey Ford wasn't getting the extra looks from Chris Jones and Steve McAdoo. Well, and, and to even add more on top of that, there was a comment about, I was listening to, I want to say 6.30, Chad, Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, uh, on one of their posts there, they had posted up one of their interviews, and it was with Trey Ford, and Trey Ford was discussing how he was talking with Jarius Jackson about plays that he's comfortable with and plays that he's not. Oh, that was on the answer up. 
Antler Rub on the Antler. Okay, yeah. so I was on Antler Rub. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for uh, <laughs> plugging the source. That was beautiful. But I think what's really interesting about that is there's going to be times where you can pick your job and there's going to be times where you don't. So how often is that kind of scenario happening behind the scenes? We don't know. You're, once again, your imagination can run wild on what may be happening or where the catering's happening or if catering's happening or if Trey Ford simply just was not performing over over that period. And sure, maybe he was throwing up a bit of a silent protest in the name of the garbage offensive play calling and garbage offensive schemes. We don't know. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call it garbage because we saw the product that uh, was produced over the last year and a half. McAdoo's offense simply was not catering to the players. It was an offense where he was asking the players to cater to the schemes. And obviously there was a lot of players that weren't comfortable with what they were doing or they weren't performing at what they were doing. Or simply put, uh, the film was just out there for way too long because it was a playbook from potentially 2015. We don't know. We, we really don't know about that one. Um, but that being said, the Edmonton Elks are looking a lot better lately. Question number three, the Edmonton Elks have not looked this good since preseason game one, in our opinion, in my opinion. Do you think a home win on Sunday is a realistic expectation? Kind of bringing it back. To I mean, I mean, one, we're, but... bringing it, we're bringing it back. Yeah. Kind of already answered it, but uh, we'll go <laughs> into the, the realistic expectation. You said it was an expectation, but now are we talking realistic? It has to be. Like, it's Ottawa. <laughs> right? Like, what, what, like if, if we're looking at the Toronto Argonauts were coming back to town, I know that doesn't happen. They only usually come once. But let's say that the Argos were coming with Chad Kelly. You know, that's one where you're like, yeah, you could go, okay, well, the Elks are going to be the underdogs. The Elks are not the favorites, and this is going to be a tough game. This is the Red Blacks, and, and you know, they've been losing their games. You know, they you know, they couple big wins to start with Dustin Crumb, but they've had their losses, and they're not a great football team like the Toronto Argonauts or the BC Lions or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So right there, like, in that sense, this Elks team, you know, when I look at that losing streak, part of it comes to – they're just, if that, again, it goes back to if, if they score a touchdown against Saskatchewan on that first, second, third, and one, you know, this, this season goes different because they do have talent. So there, there are some players on this team. So, you know, right off there, absolutely, it's a, it's a realistic expectation. Um, also, I'll just go, it is the Canadian Football League, and um, anything can happen in these. There's one reason they say any given Sunday, well, for once we get actually used in the CFL for a Sunday, uh, you've got like, look what happened to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the BC Lions this past yeah. week, you know, like this big upset. So, but now no one was going in thinking it was realistic expectation that the Riders were going to win that football game. But this is the Ottawa Red Blacks, right? So, like, a hundred percent, if you're not thinking this is a realistic expectation, then you must think the Elks are like really that bad and the Ottawa Red Blacks are really that good because I don't know else what else you could be thinking in that one. So, yes, a hundred percent realistic expectation the elks winning on on sunday and i'll actually go so far as like everyone should be upset and disappointed if they don't get that one yeah Yeah. you know like that's not one you can walk away and be like ah ottawa just caught them no no like it's about one we know the streak we talked about it we don't need to go into that much more but also this is a game that you could go win so if you don't get it done 
yeah, we could all sit back and be really upset at this team for not doing it. Yeah, and I think, I think for me personally, I've already gone through the mental motions because we've, we've done this for too long. I've gone through the mental motions and said, okay, what if they lose? Because yes, like every everything that you've said is correct. We're talking about the Ottawa Red Blacks, sure, comeback factor, whatever. Doesn't really matter. The show the 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 team has actually shown progression over the last two games to the point where it's believable. It is believable now. And even when we looked at that date months ago, it wasn't quite believable. It was like, yeah, Ottawa Red Blacks, and we don't even know what's gonna happen with this team. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Like this. We don't know what's happening with this team. Now we're talking about change at president CEO, change at offensive coordinator, McAdoo consulting on the defensive side. Things have changed a lot with this team since we looked at that date last. So now we're we're finally upon the date. The team has shown progression over the last two games. We should get the win. We should get the win. And if we don't get the win, I've already prepared myself to be very upset because this would be one of the most heartbreaking losses since 20, 2019. I was there. I've said it. I was there. 2019, October, brisk October <laughs> night, great October night. My buddy wore a onesie costume. I remember it all. It was a fantastic night. TSN, flexing. It was awesome. But I have not seen a win since. And I think that does wear on every single sports fan to be to be in this over the course of three to four years as an Edmonton Elks fan. This win, this potential win coming up, if we get this win, if we manage to get the freaking win at home against <laughs> Ottawa, it will be a very, very memorable moment. I don't doubt that people call in sick. I don't doubt that people <laughs> celebrate this to the fullest, but this is genuinely the best shot in possibly the last, year and a half yeah well for myself i haven't seen a win as yeah, i mentioned before so the way i operate on this is no expectations means no disappointments so, so <laughs> i'm just gonna go in with that and that's the thing is that like we've seen this team you know we've had a few games where, over the years we're like ah maybe this is the one and yeah. they find a way to blow it like how many people last game at home were excited because 22 nothing oh my god here it is and and you just get crushed that it's just naturally believe that you're going to go home disappointed naturally believe you are going to be hurt and And then if it happens okay you were expecting it but if they win oh that's going to be even better exactly oh no we we are are in that land now and uh (laughs) we're definitely praying for sunday so matthew this is uh this is where i impersonate you here for a moment uh, this is something that happens behind your back. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is called the Edmonton Sports Update. <laughs> the Edmonton Alps have brought on Rick Lollisher as interim president and CEO. He was last with the BC Lions until 2022 and previously has a experience at Edmonton at the same role. The Elks are also welcoming the Ottawa Red Blacks to Commonwealth Stadium on Sunday. Kickoff is at 5 p.m. on TSN and 6.30 Chet. 
The Sherwood Park Crusaders and the Elks Herd have an exciting announcement coming soon. Stay tuned to our socials for this update. And in other Canadian sports news, the Toronto Maple Leafs have re-signed star forward Austin Matthews to a four-year deal at $13.25 million per year. We're the Elks Herd. You're up to date. Well done. Well done. Also, love the music. That is a good <laughs> intro for that stuff. Well done. Thanks, man. It came with the mixer. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we're going to go ahead and out our secrets right now, but it works. I, I, I wish we're going to have to work on this for uh, season two of the Elks Call. We'll have, uh, you know, 1260-esque uh, background music as we're doing it with a little punch at the end. What did they say? Mimicry is the best form of flattery. Flattery, so yes. There you go. <laughs> yes, and I do indeed do it in your styling. So thank you, Matthew, for uh, for being the inspiration. And of course, if you guys bring that over to uh, Edmonton Sports Talk, which we're going to talk about in a bit, Edmonton Sports Talk, huge deal in Edmonton since twelve sixty um, as twelve sixty. But uh, yeah, um, we'll definitely dig into that in a moment. But if you do bring that over, uh, we will definitely cut that segment from our show. <laughs> You heard me first on the Elks call. Um, so, okay. So this is where we have a commercial break, just like uh, your former employer would also have one. We have one here. We're going to talk about our affiliates real quick before we jump into the more you didn't know. So RoyalRetros.com, throwback jerseys, all sorts of goodies over at RoyalRetros.com. We have 10% off over there using code STAMPEDE to celebrate the USFL Birmingham Stallions 2023 USFL Championship. Giddy up. Yay. Yay. Go Stallions. Yay. For the Stallions. (laughs) And then thingsengrave.ca. We'll have the link in the description. Thingsengrave.ca is the official merchandise supplier of Shotgun Sports and the Elsert. Uh, there's always something on sale over at Things Engraved. Uh, the hashtag meat apron, it might be on sale over at Things Engraved. I'm going to go get one when it's on sale. Me and too, I, for different purposes. Not just kidding. I don't know where this podcast is going, but that's a good endorsement for Things Engraved. Women can order them too. And there then, so to cleanse those thoughts, over at Lather, L-A-T-H-R.com. Lather, we're going to cleanse those thoughts with 15% off using code Shotgun Sports 15. And that's for soaps. If you it is soaps. It is soaps to cleanse those thoughts. <laughs> so uh, go head on over there. Sandalwood Bourbon. That's my favorite scent. Cotton candy. It's great for kids. Go check it out. 15% off Shotgun Sports 15. Over there. No spaces. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is the more you didn't know for trademark and copyright purposes. It's the more you didn't know with Matthew Awanek. So Matt, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to ask you a couple questions here. We want the raw on this. We're excited. We've gone a little bit over. I think we're going to earmark this one at uh, or benchmark this one at uh, one thirty. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, give us another half an hour here to dig into this a little bit more. Um, if you are privy. So Matt, you've had a great career in media and you've had a pretty big life in Edmonton. 
Can you please give us your career timeline, even starting with school? Are we going back to like elementary school or are we starting in like college? Like, you know, when I was five years old. And I <laughs> want it to be as far as, no, we, we would go with college. I Because yeah, I don't know if we want to go all the, all the way back in time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm a product of Nate, uh, radio right. television program radio, which is uh, actually one of the top programs in all of this country. They produce a lot of great talent that have come, you know, that have gone on to do great things, not just in Edmonton, but nationally. So it's a, uh, it's a great program that they have over there. I took the radio side of it. Um, from that, while working or being in school at Nate, I then started working at, at the time, it was Team 1260. And at the time, we were owned by a company called Astral Media. Yeah. So I would go in on weekends and do just some weekend opping shifts. So when if you if you ever listened back in the day on Team 1260, and there, were, there was infomercials or religion hour. Uh, purity products and uh, religion. I was the guy pushing the buttons to get them to play early in the morning on Saturdays, Sundays. And then I'd go do some work with the bear. And at the time it was Vir uh, easy rock, but then it flipped to Virgin radio and I would do some just opping for them. Um, and then after Nate, I did a practicum at the station actually with Jason Greger on his show. And then that transitioned into a full-time job where Year one full time, I did. Bob Stoffer had a show then. Oilers, it's called Oilers now. So it was Oilers Lunch. I always have to remember which one it was. Oilers Lunch, and then I booked the guests for Gregor's show. So nice. did that for one year. I was a I was a show killer for the first few years. You'll you'll hear this right away. So yeah, year one it was with Stoff and with Gregor. Oilers take that show to six thirty. Chad. The next year we had to replace it, so we added. From twelve to one, inside hockey with, yeah, inside hockey with Dustin Nielsen. We did that for an hour. Then we had the Mark Spector show for an hour after that, and then I kept producing Gregor's show for getting guests and stuff. After one year, we killed inside hockey, and we went to the Mark Spector show for two hours, and I produced Gregor's show. After that, next year we Mark Spector show went away, so like constant changes. And then the Dave Jamison show came on board, and I worked with JMO for then the next. It would have been 10 years this October. So we did like nine and a half years together. Um, so that's the on-air part of 1260. So I was always involved with many different shows, but in that afternoon slot, mostly that noon to two spot. Um, and then behind the scenes, um, officially for the last three years, I had the title, but for really last seven or eight years, I was what would be called the assistant program director. So I was like second in charge. Um, so there was the boss that we had, but they were usually involved, like in charge of all three radio stations at the building. I then focused more of the day to day of 1260. So I was the APD. It's a de facto boss type thing uh, of that station. So that's uh, that's kind of, you know, and then and the time there I had the Green and Gold kickoff post game show. Uh, where I was on before and after every Elks and at the time Eskimos game. Uh, me and Dusty started that for a couple of years. Then Dusty moved on. And then I took over as the host, uh, working with Lieutenant Eric, Hernan Salas, and then ending with Jeff Walker. Um, and then, yeah, did that until June 14th of 2023 when they shut down our station at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so actually that brings us to the next question. Um, you know, with, all of that history that you've had at TSN 1260. Can you tell us about that day? Can you tell us about what happened? Not, not what happened. Day. I know. <laughs> I want to know about that day and 
No, I could I could go through it all. Um, right. Because like also this station, I will say that building. Um, I grew up listening to Team Twelve Sixty, and I grew up listening to the Bear. So working in that building, you know, was a big deal because I grew up, you know, listening to so many of the people, including like on the Bear, Yukon Jack and Jillian Foot and Paul Brown and all that. I and mean, I've become such good friends with a lot of them. Um, but twelve sixty meant a lot to me since like the, the station has been on the air since ninety one, I think it was, or in ninety one years, I should say. Um, but O two is when it went to all sports, and I remember when it went to all sports. So it was like a big deal in, in my life. Um, but that day, uh, I don't know how deep you want me to go into it, but I can go really deep. Like, like, uh, me, like bring us, me. bring us from like you walking in the door that morning. Like bring I us- can tell you, yeah, I, I'll go through it all quickly. Uh, me, Low Tide, and Jameson were supposed to do a show live at the Remax Field for the Riverhawks game that morning. Yeah. So we weren't even scheduled to supposed to come into the building that day. So I got a message from my boss and Dave, like both back to back at like eight o'clock being like, well, the boss was like, Hey, I need you to, you need to call me back. I need you in for nine o'clock. Dave just said, call me. So I called Dave and we were told like, he was also told nine o'clock meeting and when you're in radio as long as i have been when you're getting the morning call saying be in in an hour for a call you know at that moment i'm losing my job like or someone is losing their job and like so we're trying to piece it together but uh we drove into the building um got there for just before nine uh our general manager called us into her office where um, we were all sitting there, and then she went and got Lieutenant Eric and Tom Gazzola because they were the doing their show. They just went to a commercial break. Um, yeah. She went in and said, hey, um, I need you guys to come with me. And uh, the engineer, his name was Trevor. He'll handle everything from here. Just come with me. And uh, we all went into a room together, and uh, we were told that the station was being shut down, and uh, we would no longer be working with Bell. Um, and... Then yeah, they they let us go and grab whatever we needed. And um, the thing we we've always said though, because we kind of knew that day might come because they shut down a couple of TSN stations a couple of years ago. So we kind of knew okay, our time it's limited. We knew we we're on the clock. Uh, we always said we'd go out for drinks the day we got fired. So after that, we headed to Lieutenant Sarah's house. We had a quick drink there, and then we headed over to a Boston Pizza and uh, yeah. got a bunch of people together and. Uh, just talked about how we lost our jobs and we weren't working together anymore. So that's uh, that's what happened that day. Craig, well, wow, that's, that was so sudden, right? Like, what do you do when you're in that position, like Lieutenant Eric and Tom, that they're in the middle of a broadcast and they get taken away and uh, it's done? Like, that's I think it shocked everybody. I know this guy. You know, immediately he's messaging like, "What the hell is going on? What is going on on Twitter? Everybody's blowing up, and it was chaos." Well, and it's, it's, it's sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, yeah, I was just gonna, at least one of those days. Like you, you don't realize how many people want to talk to you that day. Like I've never texted anyone as many people in, until that day. It was like it was a, honestly, it was one of those things where like I would you know, cause we're still trying to process and talk to each other and figure some things out. But I take my phone and I deal with five people and text them back and then put the phone down for a bit. And then I'd go back and text five more people to try to catch up on everyone that's messaging you. But it was like, I think what we learned in the days after and the weeks after is how much this impacted the city. Like we lost our jobs and, and that sucks for us, but we feel really bad for the city 
because a huge part of people's lives went away and losing routine or losing something that, you know, you're just used to jumping in your car, driving to work and throwing on 1260 and losing that, having to replace that. It's very difficult. We could find other jobs, um, changing your life, changing your routine. That's hard to do. I've had shows leave me and, you know, go off the air and it's, it's weird. It sucks. And, um, so like seeing that outpouring of support was, was one really, you know, nice to see, but also very heartbreaking for us that, you know, we couldn't have that station still going for everyone else. Well, and even for myself, um, the best way I could put it is I worked some very extreme hours the day before, nothing that I can really speak about on air, but I worked some really extreme hours. I went to bed at around like two to three in the morning. Woke up the next morning and I was going to be late for work no matter what. I emailed them, let them know. And I jumped. I, I, I didn't even jump in my van. I opened up my phone in bed and I saw that 1260 was shut down. And it was like right at 9 a.m. It was around mm -hmm. 9 a.m. when I found out. And I, I just lost it because I knew how successful you guys were as a radio station. To have the amount of viewers, to have uh top percentile in shows you guys were successful so we're not talking about a, an am radio station that nobody's listening to we were talking about somehow for some reason 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 thousand to you know even daily viewers on any given day probably it could have been a hundred thousand uh listeners in a day potentially depending on what was happening depending on what the buzz was um but i mean realistically you're talking about 20 to 30,000 people every day that are tuning into this radio station and like you said rituals it becomes our ritual the van is switched on to 1260 it makes it very easy um am radio for uh 1440 is coming back we briefly talked about that before we jumped on the show but even then, right, the the access and the ease of just turning the knob and going to 1440, mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be very easy for people. However, you guys captured an audience that is more than willing to jump on YouTube and to view the AM Nasty once again and Edmonton Sports Talk. Okay, we'll, we'll dig into that at the end of our, uh, yeah. at the end of this segment yeah, for well, sure. And and also, I mean, this is going to sound a little weird, but when it comes to, you know, TV shows or radio stations that are part of your routine, in some way, you begin to think of those personalities as something a little bit closer than just a person that you're listening to, right? In some ways, it feels like, oh, it's a friend, right? Yeah, and it, it's there. there is a connection that you form with a lot of this. So suddenly, you're taking that away from very many people that are starting their day with this. So it's definitely definitely massive and i'm so glad that everybody jumped so quickly on different ways to replace that and bring it back and make sure that the whole edmonton sports and edmonton doesn't get lost yeah so well, I, and i know and i could probably speak for every single one of the people that left even though we're all doing different things is that the edmonton market is so unique in that it's so rabid and it's not like it anywhere else in canada um, you know, I was privy to radio numbers and seeing what's called ratings and all of that. And one of the biggest years or biggest days of any year for sports talk radio in this country is going to be NHL trade deadline day. There's a lot going on. There's a lot happening. Everyone's broadcasting at that time, you know, trying to cover it. And we were always number one in the country. It wasn't even close. 
And number two in the country was 630 Ched right here in Edmonton who's competing with us. We're like, the, the, we were, it, no one else was close to the two of us and we're competing against each other for the listeners anyways. And that just to, to me always show just how how rabid this sport this uh, sports fan base is here in Edmonton and how passionate they are in wanting to listen and talk about it. And there's just no way that you know that could just go away and have nothing here there for for everything. And you know it's just like I, I guess maybe a little bit of testament to twelve six and how strong it was is that you know it, it it ate up a large chunk of that. And now that it goes away, there's Edmonton Sports Talk. There's 1440, there's Oilers Nation, there's Got mm-hmm. You Back with Ryan Rashog. And then what's great, though, is like, I think we have a city that has like a lot of amazing, great podcasts that also cover everything. There's a lot of great Oiler ones. You guys do an amazing job with the Elks. There's other ones that do the Elks. And like in this city, there's just so many options to catch that sports. And that's just because of how great of a sports city Edmonton really is. No, totally. And even uh, John Kirby here in the chat, right? The sports landscape on radio is changing so much for him as a season ticket holder with the Edmonton Oil Kings and the Stingers. Uh, They don't have a show specifically dedicated to them, but the Oilers and Alex have a couple of shows or segments uh, dedicated to fans and dedicated to uh, the teams, right? So that just shows like how much it's a wide open market. (laughs) Yeah, it's not even being covered. No, it it really is a wide open market. And hey, um, we'll throw our name in the hat if anybody does want to have a little bit more of an Edmonton sports talk podcast that is not necessarily Elks based. uh, We'll throw our name in the hat, Matthew. um, (laughs) You know, if that opportunity ever comes, uh, we'll definitely be more than happy to jump in on something like that or even invite you on as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that Edmonton sports is something that does need to be focused on. The Riverhawks have been doing well. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Stingers, like, they just went to the Mm -hmm. playoffs. We talked about that a little bit. Um, So, Edmonton has a great great sports market. We have Mm -hmm. great fans here. We love sports in Edmonton. We just need to showcase it a little bit more for people. But talking about sports, Matthew, I know that you like a lot of sports. I know <laughs> that you're a fan of a bunch of teams. What's your favorite sports teams? The favorite sports teams. Let's go through them. Um, look, when you're in radio and you're in a city, you always, like to me, I always believed you don't be a fan of the teams you cover. So, like, for a long time, I wasn't an Oilers or an Elks fan. Um, that said, something changed over the last year or something. I don't know, maybe it was the losing streak and I really wanted to get in or something, but I'm an Elks fan. Once again, I always was an Elks fan. I'm an Elks fan once again. So I'm back to, to being that fan still not into the, you know, hockey I cover. So I, I really don't have an NHL team. Uh, NFL, you already mentioned it's the Baltimore Ravens, uh, major league baseball is the New York Yankees, even though they stink this year. Uh, basketball is the LA Lakers. Nice. College- Football is Miami Hurricanes, and I have a soft spot for the Washington State Cougars. Um, Obviously, I do love the University of Alberta. It always pained me I never went to the U of A because I always wanted to be a Golden Bear and Panda. Like, I always wanted to, like, growing up, going to games at Claire Drake and stuff, I always wanted to be a U of A. So it kind of stunk that I had to go to Nate. Um, But I still love the U of A. Like, U of A is the one. More than Nate. More go than the- Ooks, go Ooks, man. Go Ooks. Oh, you got to celebrate those Ooks. No. Bears and Pandas still ahead of the Ooks, even though I went to school at an age. Thank um, Where else? Duke Blue Devils for college basketball. Uh, Manchester United for soccer. 
Um, I think that's all the teams. Nice. <laughs> so let's focus on the Edmonton Elks just for a little bit more. Um, what is your favorite memory as a green and gold oh. fan? I know you just said that you now you're recently an Elks fan, but well. Th- but I'm sure. I before. think my favorite memory will probably have to be the 05 Great Cup game. Nice. I think because it was, it was the greatest Great Cup game I think I ever watched. Um, I remember everything about it because as a fan, it was also so like nerve wracking to watch it. It was a back and forth game. Tony Tompkins had his kick return touchdown. I actually love the 05 team in general. Their defense was the greatest at the time Eskimos defense I'd ever seen in my life. I never thought I'd see a better one that said until 2015. I think that 15 defense was better than that 05 one. Um, But they had such great players and, you know, the road to that great cup game played into it. You know, Ricky Ray getting pulled in back-to-back weeks in the playoffs. And then he has an incredible game. He has the standard corner throw to Jason Tucker. He hits Mookie Mitchell on that third down play. It goes to overtime. And, I think then, like, the highlight of that game, just the range of emotions I had in that game, there was a play where Anthony Calvillo in overtime, the Elks are up three, Al's have to respond, Calvillo drops back, throws it, it gets batted down into his arms, he then throws it again, and all you see on the screen is the ball in the air, and I think it was Cavill was standing wide open in the end zone for the Montreal Alouettes, or some receiver for the Owls is standing wide open in the end zone, and I'm thinking the Elks lost, or the Eskimos lost. I'm like, they we're going to lose this great cup. Like we're going to lose. And then he drops the football and you start screaming. Cause like, Oh my God, he dropped the football. We're still in it. And then you realize it's a penalty to throw, throw the ball forward twice. So the owls get pushed back and it went the matter anyways. And that range of emotion in like two seconds was unbelievable. Uh, but the Oh five great cup would be up there. Um, uh, I was at the O2 Grey Cup where they lost in the Grey Cup, so it was great to be there watching them play, but they did ultimately lose. Yeah. Um uh, just trying to like it's going to games, there's just so many of them that have have just been excellent. A non-elks related in 2018 when the Grey Cup was here. Yeah. Uh, I was helping the radio broadcast. So for the second half, I got to watch the game on the sideline. So I was right. watching like the whole celebration. I, I was on there. So I that was a pretty cool experience. Um But in the end, I guess the two memories would be like, actually, here's a bad one. I remember when Ricky Ray took over for Jason Moss. I was in BC for a family thing and he took over and it was great. Like, who's this Ricky Ray? And he has a great game. They had a couple great games. And then Jason Moss came back from injury and I was in the knot hole gang and Jason Moss had a poor first half. And I was one of the people booing Jason Moss as he went (laughs) off the field because we wanted Ricky Ray. And then Ricky Ray came out. So. I do have a memory of booing Jason Moss, um, but it was for a good cause. It was for Ricky Ray. And I think we all know what happened after that. So uh, yeah, so I'll go Oh five great cup watching that one. Um, but then honestly, just going to games with my brother and my dad and just being a Commonwealth, you know, through, through a good, like you haven't seen an Elks home win. Um, it's been a long time for you the, the like this, you know, since 19, um, but you know, going, growing up and going to the games between Oh two and Oh five, uh, there was some special memories of that. Cause that team was at a, at another level. Um, and those, all of those, I'll just cherish walking to the game, watching them walking home and more often than not celebrating a win. So sorry about that. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. That. Um, that's incredible. So 
moving moving along from Edmonton Elks fandom, we know that you have a major venture coming up. You, Dustin Nielsen, you guys got Lieutenant Eric in there. And then sorry, who's the who's the number four in on that? Tom Gazzola. Gazzola, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, okay, there you go. Tom Gazzola. Makes sense. So you're one of the four co-founders of Edmonton Sports Talk, a new soon-to-launch Edmonton Sports platform, which is something we're absolutely thrilled about. Can you please tell us any and all details? And if you have any sneak peek information you can share with us on Edmonton Sports Talk. Yeah, so Edmonton Sports Talk, um, it it came together in the aftermath of the loss of 1260. Um, you know, obviously it starts and the foundation is the Nielsen show, which was the morning show on 1260 with Dustin Nielsen and Lieutenant Eric. And um, we're bringing that show back as of September 6th. It will not be four hours. There will be three hours from six until nine. So um, but what we're what we're doing is we're building an online radio station in the sense, you know, that this world is podcasting. So everything, everything we do, everything we did back at the radio station goes up as podcasts. Anyone can listen on demand, whatever they want. Um, but the thing that made 1260 so great, um, and you guys are doing it right now, even through this this show and, and your other shows, it's that interaction with your listener. It's and, and the only way you could do that is if you're live. You can't do that by a podcast. You know, it's just not going to be the same feel. The fact that you could go read live chats and, and have it, you know, talk about it mid show like that. That's amazing. And so we're going to do that with live shows. We're going to be live on YouTube. Um, but we also know a lot of people like to, you know, they're, they're having to replace that drive. And, you know, if you're going to throw on YouTube on your phone, that's going to eat up a bunch of data. So we're also going to have just a live audio only stream, which will limit how much data that you're going to use. That is going to be available uh, at edmontonsportstalk.com on our website. If you go there right at the top, it's going to say live. You could click that and it'll take you to the audio stream. If you look a little bit lower, it'll say watch live. You click that, it'll take you straight to YouTube. It's all going to be um, just right there. Um, we're also going to have a bunch of Dustin's other podcasts that he does on the show, which is uh, 11 o'clock. We're going to have the lock shop with him and Andrew Hustler uh, from Winnipeg uh, at 12 o'clock. Uh, we still haven't announced the full details of this, but the, the oil stream will be on. We're expanding to three times a week. Uh, and then two guys in a goalie will be twice a week in there. Uh, if you noticed, I've missed a, a two hour chunk from nine until 11. Uh, that is to come. Uh, I don't want to say what it is yet, but me, Dusty and Eric, we we're at our new space last week and we we're trying to figure out what to do with that. Um, and as we're batting around ideas, we came up with this idea that we really like, we came up with this idea that we think is going to be awesome. And, uh, we're really excited about it and we can't wait to, to tell people. So that's coming really soon. I don't want to spoil that one yet, but that is coming very soon. So, um, yeah, from nine to 11, we're going to have this really fun show. Um, hopefully that, that we'll have planned, uh, tomorrow we're going to announce our text line speaking of the live interaction. So stay tuned to the social media. We got a nice little video, a chance for people to win some things too with that. But, uh, the text line is coming, uh, and, and we're in the work of a potentially having an app too. So if, um, nice. one of our website doesn't work, like it, I have an Android, um, Dusty has an iPhone. You could just go to edmontonsportstalk.com and bookmark it right to your homepage and it'll look like an app. And if you click it, it opens up really easily. Um, but we're also looking to possibly have an app that would be in the uh, app store as well as Google Play. Um, so that there's a lot to come in that world. Um, but yeah, it's um, 
you know, next year I'll have Elks pre and post once again. We will bring that back. Um, but there's there's a lot of plans. Uh, we're trying to just get back to doing what we know and what we love, which is talking sports, talking Edmonton sports, and and with that also, um, you know, hopefully try to find ways to to bring other shows on as well. So uh, we'll start September sixth. Uh, we'll get going then, and this is you know what you see on September six is is just the beginning of this. We have a lot of great ideas. We have a lot of plans, um, but you know we're we'll build into those plans. We just got to build a good foundation, build something to build off of, and um, yeah, we're really excited about that. Come September six. Well, and and that's amazing to hear uh, because even even John in the chat here, he's asking, um, he's actually asking a couple questions, so. Is asking what do you think will be different between Edmonton uh, Sports Talk and Sports 1440, the uh, radio and podcast slash data side of it. Uh, what do you think the difference will be there, Matt? Yeah. Well, oh. um, there, there will be a lot of similarities in the end. Um, you know, we know those guys. We worked with a lot of those guys. Uh, Kevin Carius, I've worked with in the past. Love KK um low tide obviously have worked a lot with and and did a, a show directly with him for a year and gregor you know did as i mentioned earlier did the practicum within him stuff so i know what they're gonna bring um i'll say this like because each show is different i i think you know i'll start with the, our morning show the nielsen guys and the nielsen show they're so different in what they do based in just sports in general across this country whether radio or podcasting it, it's it's not as much a sports show as it's also just an entertainment show in their fun and their bits that they do. And it's not always serious. In fact, it's, it's, I'd say it's probably more not serious than it is serious at times. Like when they need to get serious, when they need to talk stuff, they, they do. Um, but they like to have a lot of fun. And yeah. that's one thing that I think separates them from anyone else basically across the country is that they do those things in, you know, Dustin Nielsen's one of the most creative broadcasters you will find. There's a reason he's on TSN. There's a reason he's going to be, and he should be the voice of the Grey Cup on TSN. Um, and those who don't know Lieutenant Eric, um, he is the secret sauce of that show. He's a brilliant individual. He is so smart. He can get things done. And when you combine those two together, that right there, again, is not something anyone else has. You don't find other Lieutenant Eric's. You don't find other Dustin Nielsen. So th th that's just the foundation of what we do. Um, you know, they'll, they'll do great things over at 1440. Um, I, I know they will. Um, they, they'll have the advantage that they're on the radio, that it's an easy click over. Um, but in the end, like some of the things we do is going to be just really fun. We're going to be very laid back with what we do. Um, and, and one thing we're really driving for is, you know, the city and community, you know, I, I know Eric spends a lot of time in the tailgates this year. I've been trying to get to the tailgates a little bit more uh, at the Elks games. We've been going to Riverhawks games and stingers and we're always out there. Um, so like, yeah, I guess for everyone, it's just going to be, you'll have to find whatever you like best. You'll have to sample both. Um, again, I'm, I'm not going to bad mo 1440 here and what they're going to do. I, I, they're, they're great people over there. Um, we're just going to do things our way. Um, and which again, if I'll, I'll just explain, it's, it's more laid back, it's more entertaining, it's more fun and it's serious when we have to. No, and then pure class. And I, I will say one more, I, I'll, I'll say we, we don't want to be an Oilers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, we don't want to be just talking about the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. No. Because this is a big sports city. The Elks are big. They're Stingers, Riverhawks. People love the NFL. People love baseball and the Jays. People love basketball and the Raptors. We will focus on sports in general. We don't want to just do, you know, as I said, six to one is that opening lineup. We don't want to do six to one talking about the Edmonton Oilers every single day with no. maybe a minute or two here. We want to talk about the big stuff in sports in general. Well, and that, that pretty much answers what John Kirby, our last question, shutting down the questions after this. But Matt, uh, he was asking you if you're going to cover Stingers and Oil Kings. By the sounds of it, you are. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cover. We'll talk about it. There is there is one show I've planned in, in that we won't have for the start. It'll probably be a New Year plan that we'll look at. Um, it might not be a live show, but probably a podcast forum show. Um as for a specific podcast or shows directly for the Stingers or Oil Kings, um, like, look, we're starting this up. It's our own dimes. It's our own money. It's our own. It's our time. Um, there's only a few of us right now, so we don't have the manpower or the money to to do something on every single team and specifically Monday through Friday for each of those teams. Like, we have to, you know, kind of map out where we can spend our resources and all of that. So to start, like... Yes, we'll cover the Stingers when it's Stinger season. Yes, we'll t- cover Oil Kings throughout their season. Are there going to be specific Oil King hour or Stingers hours at the start? No. Um, but again, that's just because it's right now really only just the four of us with a few other people helping us out. And it's our money. And we've got to build. Like, we're, we're independent. We're non-corporate. We're trying to do this on our own. Ground floor, working our way up. Hopefully, over time, we could do more things like that in, in terms, again, like show-specific um, but we will find ways to discuss those teams and, and all teams in the city. No, totally. And, and I think that's another reason why we have a bit of an, an affinity to Edmonton Sports Talk because we know that you guys are going to deliver Edmonton sports, right? We're not we're not just talking Oilers. Um, mm-hmm. Bob Stauber, credit to Bob Stauber, credit to Jason Greger, credit to all of these guys that are very heavy Oilers. Mm-hmm. But... The number one reason why everybody instantly missed TSN 1260 was because we were losing our actual Edmonton sports updates. Like even, you know, within the Elks call here, sure, I do an Edmonton sports update, but I'm not, I'm, I'm keeping you updated on certain things. And obviously we throw in Riverhawks and Stingers and any Edmonton sports that we can that are semi-major important X, Y, Z. But as far as actually talking about it, you guys were, even within the ticket giveaways, you guys were having conversations, talking about upcoming appearances, talking about when you were there last. So you're kind of giving a behind the scenes or, you know, in the trenches sort of view of Edmonton sports, which is what people are missing now. Yeah. So I, I, I think that you guys are going to be delivering a great product here. We're obviously very, very excited. We will be there uh, September 6th, you said, right? Wednesday. Yes, yes. Uh, Dustin on the Tuesday has already committed to his kids to take him to school. Perfect. <laughs> pushed back yep. our start to the Wednesday. Oh, awesome. Is that, is that when kids start school? Okay. Uh, Tis the season. Find that out. <laughs> oh, guys, uh, we ran a little bit over today. We expected this. Matthew Awanik, we cannot thank you enough for joining us today on the Elks Call. Thank no, you. I, I thank you very much for having me. It's uh, I know we talked a little bit at the tailgate, so the last couple of times uh, here, and 
I'm, I'm glad we're able to do this. I, I'm always happy to talk, Alex. I'm always happy to talk some Canadian Football League. And uh, this was a lot of fun for me. And you say it was over. I say we could keep going if you wanted to, but like it's the perfect amount of time. So I'm I'm more than okay with it. This was uh, this was a very fun Wednesday night for me. Awesome, man. No, we we can't thank you enough. I mean, we try to uh, keep it to the hour mark. I think sometimes uh, the conversations are just so great. They're just so good, right? <laughs> and I mean, podcasting—you could go exactly. where, however long you want. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, uh, to give you an example, Dave Jamison last week was a two-hour podcast. Uh, you are our second longest at one thirty-five, and for us, we wouldn't change anything. This is oh, exactly how we wanted it, Matthew. <laughs> so. I, I will say this: I, no shame in being second to Dave on that because Dave's <laughs> just. Better speaker, also amazing story. So, yeah, no, the fact that I couldn't catch the two-hour mark to catch Dave, totally understandable for me. Well, you had some beautiful insights, and we uh, truly appreciated them. It's fantastic. You being, uh, you know, you being a current and former media member, Edmonton Elves fan, um, you eat, sleep, and breathe Edmonton. It's not even green and gold, right? It's Edmonton. So um, we can't wait to have you back on, Matthew. To our viewers today, our live viewers, you guys are watching right now. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, big shout out, Steve Vanassi, John Kirby, uh, Steve Backey, and anybody else watching today. Guys, uh, thank you so much for watching our show. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Scout, a.k.a. The Rep from Section X. And I'm Catherine, a.k.a. To Even Elks. We are the Elks Herd, and that is Matthew Awanek. <laughs> they... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. You, everybody have a good one. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on in the next episode. Yeah. Cheers, everybody.